Today's episode of The Rewatchables is brought to you by State Farm. Around here, we love talking about movies that we watch, rewatch, watch again, because they're just that good. It's the thoughtful details, the little things other movies don't have that keep us coming back. Here's the deal. When it comes to insurance, we can't get enough of State Farm. They have all the details we appreciate. They make insurance easy. You can monitor your coverage, pay your bill, even file a claim through their app, which was awarded Best Insurance Mobile App 2019. And thanks to their network of 19,000 agents, you'll have someone local to walk you through options, help you choose a policy that meets your individual needs versus cookie-cutter coverage. Best of all, they give it to you straight. No gimmicks, no games, just guidance you can count on. It's a no-brainer. Go out, get the insurance you deserve. Get State Farm like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. Get a quote or find an agent at statefarm.com. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com, where we are still cranking out high-quality written content and The Ringer Podcast Network, where we are still putting out killer podcasts for you, including Dave Chang, JJ Reddick, my podcast, Bachelor Party, Ringer Dish, The Ringer NFL Show, House of Carbs, Against the Lads with Cousin Sal, Ryan Rosillo, The Big Picture, The Watch, Larry Wilmore. We have a whole bunch of stuff. Go check it out. You can check it out on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I wanted to mention um, feedingamerica.org which is something that uh, I went there and found out about the Greater Boston Food Bank. And we were able to raise over $100,000 for that last week. You can donate to Feeding America right now. Every dollar you give can provide at least 10 meals to, 10 meals to children and families in need through the Feeding America network of food banks. You can also check to see what's close to you, what food bank is in your neighborhood or in your city. So please go check that out, feedingamerica.org. Hope everybody is still staying safe out there and uh, hope everybody is healthy and happy. Coming up. I used to say I lived my life a quarter mile at a time. And I think that's why we were brothers because you did too, Shea Serrano. Fast 7, coming up next. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again We've come a long way from where we began Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again When I see you again All right, Shea Serrano is here, the five-year anniversary of Fast and Furious 7 which is now called Fast 7. The movie studio wanted to call it Furious 7, but the fans basically decided it was going to be Fast 7. I saw this movie early April 2015 at the LA Live Theaters near the Grand Lane offices. It was about five weeks before I left ESPN. Went at like probably one o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. Tried not to read anything about how they handled Paul Walker's tragic death. He died halfway through the filming. Uh, didn't know what to expect. Had heard rumors that it was super emotional. I went with Rafe Bartholomew and I think Mark Lasanti. Pack theater. The ending comes. It is so much more emotional than any of us expected. People are crying in the theater. I'm sitting next to two guys that I've worked with for a few years. We're like biting our lips. Or we're glassy-eyed. We're trying not to cry. 
we, we stumble out of the theater <laughs> and we're like, okay, man, I'll see you later. Have a good weekend. And none, and, <laughs> and we just get the hell out of there. And it is the most emotional experience I've had in a theater, at least this century. Where did you see it and how did it play out? I also saw it at the theater the day that it came out. Laramie and I, we were living in Houston at the time and we rarely ever get babysitters. I, I just don't like somebody who I don't know taking care of my kids. But when this movie came out, and her family couldn't come. I was like, I don't get someone off Craigslist. I don't care who it is. We need to be at the theater when this comes. And it was a, it was the same thing. Laramie didn't really pay any attention to the Fast and the Furious movie. She saw one or two and then was like, you got it from here. She went with me to this one. And we were both at the end, same as you. I just couldn't believe how perfectly they stuck that landing. Yeah. Every, every single part of it, you're just like, Jesus Christ. We're all in there crying, like for real crying. I've only cried, cried in the movies a handful of times in my entire life where like I get watery eyed all the time, but where tears are actually coming down. And that yeah. was this, this was one of those instances, both of us, too. She hadn't seen a Fast and Furious movie in like seven years. And still she didn't even know maybe that Paul Walker had died before we had gone into the, the thing. And we're just watching it. We're like, Jesus, this is this is tough. Yeah. And it's weird because, you know, we have a lot of people in our lives. We have athletes in our lives. We have actors, we have musicians, politicians, writers, whoever. When Paul Walker died, he was just, you know, he was the rock of the Fast and Furious movies, not the rock, but the rock. Cause he was in really all of them. Um, except for what was the one that he wasn't in fast Tokyo drift fast. Yeah. Tokyo drift. Um, but you know, he was the Keanu Reeves character. He was, as we've discussed, we did Fast Five on this podcast. We did the first movie on this. It was basically Point Break with Cars. Mm -hmm. But over the course of four, five, six, it became the James Bond franchise for, you know, the 21st century. It, the diversity of the cast and the diversity of the audiences that love this movie, it just kind of kept growing and growing and growing. And Fast Five, I still think, is the best action movie of the 21st century. Fast Six, super satisfying. Everybody's ready for Fast Seven. And you get this news, Paul Walker dies. This guy, they, there weren't a lot of Paul Walker conversations. He was, we just all liked him, but it, was, yeah. it wasn't like, if I had said to you, let's do an entire podcast about Paul Walker, you would have been like, why, what happened? Um, and then he dies. And the ripples it had in the community of the fans that like truly love this movie. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. And then people start wondering, well, wait a second, how are they going to finish? They're not going to finish the movie. Like, and then it's like, no, actually they take a break from the filming. And then they're like, we, we think we can finish this movie. My reaction was like, this is a mistake. This is this, you're actually doing Paul Walker to service. I don't like any of this. I don't think this will work. I wish you guys would just cancel the movie. Do you remember what your reaction was when you heard they were going to continue filming? Yeah, I was, I was nervous because as you mentioned, he's, he's Dominic is the central character in the films. He's the, you know, he's the gravity of it, but, but Brian is the one that makes it accessible to everybody. He, Paul Walker had this really unique ability that I think, nobody realized until he had passed away was he's, he's this incredibly handsome guy. And oftentimes when a movie star is that handsome, you feel like there's no way this person would ever want to hang out. I never got the sense that George Clooney would hang out with me. You right. know what I'm saying? But with Paul Walker, he just was so kind eyed and gentle all the time. He seemed like, Oh, this guy would come to my house and like play video games with me for two hours. You know what I'm saying? And 
So when he passed away, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you can't replace the energy, first of all. So you can't do that. I don't know what, how, what do we do here? How do we handle this, this situation? And fortunately they, they were smart enough to pin down all of those parts in the exact right way. Not a phenomenal actor, but an exceptionally likable actor and somebody that, you know, he died at a stage in his career when the fast movies were going to keep going on, you know, for mm-hmm. as long as, as long as the audience is going to come out for them. But, you know, I also, I think he had potential, like, could he have been John Wick? Um, you know, Keanu already had that thing in motion, but he did have the potential to create a different kind of franchise. And I don't think there's a lot of actors like him. I actually think Chris Evans has this quality too, where you're just kind of like, he seems like a normal guy. Yeah. I like him. And Chris Evans is somebody that he, he's kind of been all over the map. I, I don't know if he's always picked the right movies, but he's been in a bunch of good ones. I think Chris Pine's another one. When we did the rewatchables with Tarantino and he was talking about how much he liked Chris Pine and how unstoppable Chris Pine uh, the movie Unstoppable with Denzel, he was like, Chris Pine, it's, I just wish he had made more movies like that. And I think that's somebody that in a different world could have potentially been Brian in the fast movies. But I still feel like Paul Walker and Keanu, um, just something about them. There's a likability. There's a little bit of unintentional comedy, like in some of the dramatic scenes, the action scenes are completely believable. Mm-hmm. And I just was not prepared for the outpouring. So they start, they start making this movie. They're halfway through. He dies on November 30th, 2013. They decide to rewrite a bunch of the script. At this point, they have the early basis of the technology that now, if this happened in 2020 with the deep, with the deep fake stuff they have, with the stuff that Scorsese used in The Irishman, they would have pretty easily been able to um, replicate him and all these different scenes in 2014, not as easy. And Peter Jackson had a visual effects house called Weta digital that was able to recreate Walker's face from previous stuff they'd shot. He had two brothers, which was fortunate for this Caleb and Cody Mm -hmm. that they used as stand-ins physically. They apparently looked a lot like him. And the final version of the film showed Walker's face superimposed over the bodies of his brothers or an actor named John Brotherton, who's the white guy with the crew cut that works for Mr. Nobody. Uh, The face is superimposed in 350 visual effect shots, 260 used a computer-generated face, and 90 used repurposed actual footage of Walker's face. And I got to say, the first time I saw the movie, it was pretty seamless. There was only maybe two or three moments where I was like, oh, that didn't totally look real. Um, now you watch it on at home, and I, I know we both watch it over and over again. It still, it still worked pretty well. Are you shocked how well they were able to pull this off six, seven years ago? Yeah, because I had no idea that they had done that. When I watched it, when I watched it in the movie theater. His face is fifteen feet tall. I yeah. didn't, I didn't catch it. Even when I watch it now, I'm still trying to like see the edges of it, like that final scene. Where you, where he's looking out of his car window at at Dom, and I'm trying to like this is this is has to be one of the fake scenes. I don't know the rest of the movie, but I know this one has to be one of the fake ones, and I just can't see it. It's it's unbelievable how well they did it. Usually you can you can tell, but I don't know. I couldn't tell. 
So that scene you talked about, I was going to do this in half-assed internet research, but that was a deleted scene from a previous movie. I think it was a deleted scene from Fast Five. That was a deleted scene from Fast Five. And they basically just used the same things, changed the dialogue a little bit, and were able to make it. Because when you, if you've watched Fast Seven a bunch of times like we have, it's a scene that doesn't totally make sense, but it fits the kind of the blueprint of the fast movies where every movie has to have one emotional scene with every movie has to have one emotional scene with, uh, with Vin and Paul Walker. So they felt like they had to obey that. Um, but all of it worked and yeah, I'm with you. They kept it really quiet how much CGI they did and how much special effects they were really purposeful about not letting any of that go out. I remember because we, we were doing Grantland at the time and I really wanted us to do a story about how did they do this? And there was no information. They shut everything down. And now after a few years, we know a lot more about how they did it. I've still never seen the documentary or the behind the scenes footage of how they did it. And I'm not sure I really want to either. Um, new director for this one, James Wan replaced... Justin Lin, friend of the podcast, who basically at the end of Fast Six, um, Han, Han, Han going away at the end was kind of the way Justin Lin was going to say farewell to the franchise. Ironically, he is now back for Fast Nine, but James Wan was a horror director. Uh, $190 million budget, grossed over $1.5 billion. <laughs> Most successful Fast movie ever. Ninth highest grossing movie ever. Third highest 2015 film. Um, and wouldn't you say a big piece of that was word started to spread about how great they wrapped up the Paul Walker thing. I, in a weird way, it became an advantage for the movie and I'm fine with that. But don't you think that helped the most here? Yeah, that that helped a ton. It was very similar to what happened with Fast Five. By the way, I have never in my life called this Fury... Uh, Fast Seven, I don't what know. What do you call I, it? I call it Furious Seven. Every time you say it, it sounds weird in my in my ear. So you go you call fast. It Furious gonna, Seven. I call it Furious Seven, like they intended for it to be called. But this was a similar thing that we saw happen with with Fast Five because they did Part One, they did Tokyo Drift, they did Too Fast, Too Furious, and it was starting to sputter out, uh, like on a, on a global scale. It felt like uh, if Part Four comes and you're like, maybe they got the pieces back because they brought Dom back into the thing, and then. By the time Fast Five came, people were kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about this franchise anymore. And then you slowly started to hear how good it was. How, oh my God, this is an incredible movie. You have to watch it. And this, yeah, like you're, like you're saying, the same sort of thing happened with, with Furious 7. You just started to see people get pulled into it, if for no other reason than to watch how they wrap that part up. Because it's impossible to watch that scene, to watch the way that they, we see Brian uh, playing with his, his kid on the, on the, on the beach um, with his wife and then we see them drive off together and we have Dom talking and we've got these zoom in shots of everybody sort of watching it happen and it's just so good. You could just pull it up at any point in the middle of whatever you're doing and you watch it and it, it gets you. They just, it's, I never thought fucking Wiz Khalifa would make me cry, but I, <laughs> I hear, I hear it come on and I'm like, Oh God, this hurts. <laughs> so fast forward, they rejuvenated the franchise. Mm-hmm. We have not done Fast 4 in the Rewatchables yet. We will at some point. Okay. Fast 5 is just stupendous. 
It's such a good movie. It's so great. We broke all of it down. It, the franchise peaks in every conceivable way. It's got the salute me, me familiar speech. It's got everybody. Nobody's died yet. It has some incredible action scenes. It has the rock showing up. It has a 15 to 20 minute ending that is as good as any fast scene ever. Fast six. I saw that ironically in your neck of the woods, San Antonio. Um, at that point, you knew it was going to be the Bond franchise. It was whenever they released this movie, it's going to be massive. And I remember I was there for the 2013 finals. And it was games three, four, and five were in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And we were there for nine days. I was doing NBA countdown. Um, seeing Fast Six in the theater might have been my highlight of, of that week. We saw it <laughs> on a Friday night. In one of those theaters with the great chairs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that more than anything that happened in game three or four or five. I can't remember. I worked all those games. I was on countdown. I can't remember any of the details of any of those games, but I remember (laughs) everything about Fast 6. So then Fast 7, you know, we're like, all right, they're just going to be making these every two years. Paul Walker dies. They're able to rejuvenate the franchise. The other interesting thing about this movie, The Rock's not in it that much. Mm -hmm. He, He had a filming conflict with Hercules because once the filming got moved back, as you know, the rock likes to make 12 movies a year. So his schedule, uh, he just couldn't get out of the Hercules thing. So they had to rewrite that stuff on the fly, which is why he gets hurt early. And then we really don't see him again for an hour, 15 minutes. And then he comes back at the end. So that's the story behind that filming locations, LA, Colorado, Atlanta, the Dominican Republic, Abu Dhabi, Tokyo. <laughs> Pretty great. Let's take a break to talk about Science Versus. That is a Gimma podcast that takes on fads, trends, and the opinionated mob to find out what's fact, what's not, and what's somewhere in between. Right now, they're doing a deep dive podcasts on the coronavirus and trying to sift between the facts, the fictions, and the reality. They're doing really good stuff there. And if you care about learning more about the coronavirus, we don't have a podcast that's covering it on the Ringer Network, but our friends at Gimlet, um, they're doing it. So go check out Science Versus. Don't forget to check out all of the great Ringer podcasts that we have as well if you're looking to kill time. And if you want to go backwards and find some evergreen stuff, the rewatchables, we've done at least like 100, 708 movies at this point. I would encourage you to go through the library. All of it's free. You can check out Binge Mode, which has covered Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter. Uh, you can jump in all of those. And you can check out the Book of Basketball podcast. I wrapped up season one recently. And that's, I think, 22 podcasts about the recent history of the NBA. We're also working on a new podcast with Van Lathan and Jamel Hill called The Wire, Way Down in the Hole, which we announced last week and which we have, we hope to have for you, hopefully mid-April thinking about that. So be ready for a whole bunch of podcasts for us as this quarantine and everything else continues. And don't forget to check out Science Versus on Gimlet and all their great podcasts as well. Back to this one. Before we get to the categories, I just wanted to give you the plot. It's completely absurd and I want your thoughts. Here's the plot. Dom and his crew return to the United States after securing amnesty for their past crimes, living normal lives until Deckard Shaw, 
a rogue special forces assassin seeking to avenge his comatose brother, declares war on the team. Let's just cover this now. (laughs) Amnesty for their past crimes, which were a lot of crimes. Are you are you okay with this plot loophole? This is not a loophole. What's the okay. what's the what's the loophole? They got amnesty. I'm, I'm asking you. If you save the world, you get you can come back to America. That's fine. So you're saying by saving the world at the end of Fast Six, the U.S. government looks at that and goes, "Okay, we're good." Yeah, fresh start. If they were going to let the astronauts from Armageddon not pay taxes for the rest of their lives, sure, yeah. Dom can come back to California. What do you what do you think like the first two months are like as they're back? Like, like maybe a little party, the like uh reconnect, maybe does does uh Brian get back into his old fantasy league now that he's allowed to be with his friends? Like how normal are we talking here when we say living normal lives? They go straight into it. It's free tuna sandwiches at the shop for everybody. We got a we got a house party at Dom's. It, what's what's wild to me is that when we see them and they're living their normal lives, they have at this point tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars between them probably. Yeah. And I, I, they could have been wherever they went right back to the normal neighborhood. Like that's just, everything was totally normal for them. They're fine. They're fine. I feel like they at least should have moved into the gated community that Magic Johnson, Mark <laughs> Wahlberg and Sam Jackson live in. <laughs> with, with the amount of money they absconded from Brazil with alone, they could have at least had a security guard where they lived. I would love for... Mark Wahlberg to be out on a walk and he runs into Dominic Toretto <laughs> and they're both just there with their sleeveless shirts looking at each other. Oh, how, how many times do you think Mark Wahlberg has kicked the tires about maybe sneaking into this franchise? Every, he's probably on a phone call right now trying to figure yeah, out. It's like, Hey, does, bi- does Mr. Nobody have a brother that I can play? Just come, <laughs> come on in. He must've been so mad when the John Cena thing happened. Oh, absolutely. He's probably like, I'm right here. What, what are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm a better actor. All right, let's uh, let's get to the categories. Most rewatchable scene. I only picked four, and I am more than happy to have you chime in after we get through these four. But I, I try to narrow it down because these four are so good. It, it's really hard to consider any others, but I'll, I'll give you the floor after we're done. First one, Statham versus The Rock. So The Rock is working at night. It's the emptiest FBI office probably ever. There's not even like uh, a custodian vacuuming. It's just, <laughs> it's completely dark. It's just desks, empty desks after empty desk. I don't know what time of night it is. And uh, Elena's there mm-hmm. from Fast Five. She's working with The Rock still. New haircut, looks great. Still a little hurt. Still a little hurt about how uh, how Fast Six played out with Dom going back to Letty. You can see it in her eyes. It's a little awkward with her on the rock. <laughs> okay. 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 She, uh, she says goodbye. At this point in the movie, chronologically, she's about, what, 15 months pregnant? Yeah. But not showing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not showing it. Not showing the baby at all from Fast Five. But she's 15 to 16 months pregnant. Looks great. She leaves. Uh, the Rock walks her to the elevator, comes back, and Statham is at The Rock's computer. You're under arrest. Like I said, I'm here for the team that crippled my brother. There ain't no goddamn team. It was just one man, and he's standing right in front of you. And The Rock's like, 
okay, I guess I'm going to have to kick the shit out of you. And they have a really awesome fight that includes the rock doing the rock bottom move, his wrestling yes, move. Yes, yes. And then there's a grenade, things blow up, and Hobbs and Elena go flying out the window. I would say six stories, five stories, six stories, five, how many five stories? Five or six stories, easy, easy. Land on a car, they're both fine. And that whole scene, that four minutes is really great. I would like your thoughts. Uh, okay, so I also agree this is a, this is an incredible scene. I do have a few things that I wanted to to ask you about because we know at this point that Dominic Toretto, Vin Diesel and The Rock are not good friends. They just no. it's that's what it is. They don't like each other. Now the the part that you mentioned here where The Rock saves Elena, grabbing a hold of her, they go busting out the window, slam into the car. This to me seemed very much a ripoff of what Dom did with Letty in part six when he crashes on the bridge, jumps into the air, catches her out of the air, and then lands on a car. They do the, oh, it's, yeah. almost, it's almost the exact same thing. And I'm wondering, was is this a situation where The Rock is like, I, it's time for me to start splitting apart. I'm going to start sowing the seeds here. Uh, I need, I need to, like, is this a little, a little, like a little poke in the eye for Vin Diesel, this particular scene? So you're saying there's some Durant Westbrook 2015 range. People start wondering if they're going to have their own team soon. Kind of, kind of maneuvering here. Exactly. That's exactly what this is. Where nobody's saying it, but we're going to do one or two little things that you can look back on and go, oh, oh, I get it. I get mm. it. I see. I see where this was. That that had that had to have been a fight. I can't imagine Dominic Toretto saw that scene. Saw. The Rock do that thing, and he wasn't like, "What the fuck is going on?" That's my thing. I do that. That's my thing. You know what I'm saying? You're on my corner. I, I land on cars. I save women, and I land on cars. And here's here's The Rock doing that thing. It's an incredible fight scene. Um, there are only a few people in the world who you can have fight The Rock, and it makes sense. Which is yeah. why we started getting all of these movies where it's like the rock versus giant animals or the rock versus a, a, a skyscraper because we just ran out of people. But Jason's yeah. Jason Statham top level fight confidence on a movie screen. Yeah. It, it, watching those two go back and forth. You never got the sense that the rock was letting up. You're like, Oh shit, this is a real, this is a dog fight right here. It's so much fun to watch them do what they do. Like uh, the rock is not a great actor. Statham is pretty good. Statham is like genuinely a pretty good actor. Yeah. The Rock the Rock is not. He's he's just a rock. He is and just the rock, a very I'm going to get to this later. The Rock dials it up in this movie. Yes. And and if it like if it was like my podcast mic right now, Craig would be in my producer Craig would be in my ear going, "Hey man, can you turn that down from like 7 to 5?" <laughs> and unfortunately, The Rock had nobody in his ear to tell him that, but this is a great scene. I also like anytime The Rock's fighting anybody in these movies, you know, he's a solid 6'3", and he's probably 260, 280 pounds, whatever he is. So they always have to use inventive camera angles to make mm -hmm. it seem like it's a fair fight. He's got to have five, six inches on Statham, I'm guessing. But they, the way they shoot this seems like it's a little more equal. I'm going to do a little of that. I know I promised four, but since you brought up the, uh, the Rock versus Vin Diesel, I don't know if this is a most rewatchable scene, but I did want to mention they they throw the scene where Dom goes to the hospital to visit The Rock 
And at that point, there's so much hatred between the two guys in real life. You can kind of feel it in the scene. It's like, hey, what's up, old buddy? But there's just no warmth at all. <laughs> I, would you have even kept that scene in? Yeah, I think you need that in there because okay. you have to have you have to have the rock handing off the information to Dom. He's the only person who could who could get it. it doesn't make sense if he gives it to to Brian. And then you need the whole. I, the, my official answer is stand down, but my unofficial brother yeah. to brother answer is fucking kill him. Or whatever. It's yeah, like you, you guys aren't brother to brothers. You guys don't even like each other. I I think if we were advising Chris Morgan, who I think has written all of these movies, I think we would have advised him to lean into the real life rock Dom tension in these scenes. And like Dom should come in and be like, so you broke your arm, huh? I've never broken a bone in a fight. Or like he's, (laughs) there's like a little alpha dog shit going on, even as he's seeming supportive. I I wish they had thrown that stuff in. Uh, The second scene. I would say this is the most absurd scene in the history of the franchise, except there's another scene coming later that's even most absurd. It's also phenomenal. Uh, it, I don't know what you call it when, because they've done it in almost every movie, when, uh, when Dom and his team, they come as a team to hijack something, whether it's you know a giant truck with things, whether it's a truck that's <laughs> headed for bad things. What do you call that? Like a hijack unit? Like what? What would be the word for that? <laughs> I I I just not right now. I'm in my head imagining them pitching this movie to the producers, and that's the phrase they they're just like, I don't know. They're gonna come in and hijack a truck with things, and right, it's like a hijack it. hijack squad, <laughs> hijack race squad. It's a heist so, crew. It's a heist crew. It's a yeah, mobile it's a heist, heist crew. crew. Okay, so they've had a lot of them in this one. This is the best premise they've ever come up with. They for reasons that remain unclear, decide they have to drop these cars from from a plane with parachutes and they're all gonna land perfectly on the road somehow. Okay, here we go. I, I have no idea how they did this. The amazing thing is they actually really did this. They didn't do CGI for it. They had a Lockheed C-130 Hercules that carried the vehicles that dropped from 12,000 feet high above the uh, Sonoran Desert, making the cars plummet at a speed of up to 130, 140 miles an hour. The cameras needed to be mounted on the cars in a way that they wouldn't be destroyed. They performed multiple dry runs with the single car. Then finally, when they did it, they dropped two cars apiece. They put parachutes on them. They used skydivers to film the cars um, and then just kind of hoped it worked. And apparently the cars, all the cars landed on their drop zones, 70% landed perfectly and 30% didn't. And then when they actually filmed the part where the cars land and start driving, that was done differently. They just had a pulley system. They dropped the cars from six to 10 feet. They had stuntmen in the driver's seat going like 40 miles an hour and going full speed. Um, and they use cranes for that. They were able to remove the cranes with CGI. Are you shocked to know that they actually did this and this was not CGI? I was under the assumption that there was no CGI in this movie at all. I just assumed all of the stunts were real. That was yeah, Brian well, you're right. running up a bus. So I'm, no, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Okay. Well, it leads to, first of all, incredible setup. Then they're on there. Then they have to do the hijack thing. And then like 15 great things happen. We have 
first of all, you have Tyrese who can't land because he's just flying around. <laughs> then finally he he shows up at the perfect time. We have Dom and Statham ending up driving each other off a cliff and then driving down the cliff. Yes. And, and avoiding trees. And yes. then it's like, oh no, now we're at the end of the cliff. And and they're both like, fuck it. And they keep going and go off the cliff. So they go off the cliff twice. Then we have the whole Paul Walker. He's got to, they have to do the thing. Nobody better at jumping from one car to another at 80 miles an hour than Brian in these movies. I mean, he really, he's the LeBron of this, right? He leads the league in this particular yeah. stat. Yeah. Five times, six times he does this over the course of the movies. He he does it five or six times in this uh, movie by itself. He right. got so good that in this one, now he's advanced to where he's throwing other people onto cars, which is what he does <laughs> with, with Ramsey. He's like, hey, you got to make this jump. She's like, I can't yeah. do this. And he's like, yes, the fuck you can go and just fucking shoves her onto the car. It's incredible. I can't imagine how terrifying it would be to be standing on top of the hood of a car that's going 80 miles an hour, being ready to jump into another car. But then he's getting rammed from behind by the car behind the car. Totally fine. Incredible balance. (laughs) He's he's doing whatever he can, jumps in, has a great fight scene with the guy from the raid. And, uh, And that leads to the whole, he gets locked in. The bus starts going off a cliff. It's halfway over. It's dangling. He's got to bust out the window and then come back around. And I got to say, like, in the theater, this this whole, everything about this scene is uh, is all time. And then finally it ends with Dom getting cornered with Ramsey and he's got to turn around and just drive off the cliff. Uh, we have three ridiculous things happen in this movie. All right, in this particular scene, we have the cars getting dropped from a plane. We have Paul Walker somehow not dying at the end of the the bus thing and then running up the back of the bus and jumping and Letty coming just in time and grabbing him. And then we have Dom flying off the second cliff, which he clearly should have died. Somehow didn't. <laughs> um, what was the most absurd part of the scene for you? Okay. One, one quick thing before we get into that. This is not the guy from the raid. When you talk about the guy who fights in the bus, that's Tony Ja, who's from the like, from Ong Bak, from The Protector. The guy from the raid is Eko Uwais. Oh, my That's bad. It. I got my movies yeah. mixed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but an incredible movie fighter. Yeah. Brian versus versus Tony Jaw is an unbelievable moment if you're like big into these action movies. This is this is the like Kobe LeBron matchup that everybody wanted in the finals that they never got. We got a small version of it here. It's like when they played in the All-Star game. That's what we had to settle for. You say that when they guard each other for like two minutes in the All-Star yeah, game. They're like, exactly. oh, this is cool. Yeah, I, I, and I love I love in this scene that they don't kill him. Tony Jaw survives, jumps yeah, out, rolls, back. stands up, and he's like, all right, cool, I'm good. Like, this is a very very much a, like a handshake or a high five saying, you're the man. We understand you're better at this than we are. So that's great. My, my single favorite part in this, I rewatched this probably like once or twice a, a month, and then I just rewatched it with my youngest son, and he was fired up about this movie. They they do the bus scene where it's dangling off the cliff. Brian comes climbing up it, and and, and Parky, my son, is just freaking out. He's screaming. He's like, "Make it, make it run!" Like he's screaming at the TV. <laughs> I was so proud. I was so proud. But yeah, the, the my my favorite part. It's one of my favorite parts in the whole franchise is when he runs up the bus and he jumps, and here comes, like you said, Letty out of nowhere fishtailing it across the edge of a cliff, like as yeah. far off as she can get. Her wheels are on there a quarter of an inch, those back wheels maybe. Brian grabs a hold of it. She she whips him over. He falls on the ground. And then she gets out, and she looks at him, and all she says is, You good? 
And he's like, thank you. And then she just gets back in the car, totally unimpressed with his incredible feat that she has just saw and participated in. Letty is, Letty is unbelievable. We talked about the, the Shaw fight, Shaw versus the, the Rock. Like that's, yeah. I think that that's the fourth best fight in this franchise. Every, every one of those four fights, it either has Letty in it or the rock in it. One of those, one of those two. She's just unbelievable in like every capacity. We're getting to her later. I, I have okay. a whole three minute thing I want to do about her later. Excellent. The, uh, Excellent. The bus jump run was actually really done and it was done by a stuntman, <laughs> not, not Paul Walker. They decided not to have Paul Walker in that scene, but he's actually in this part of the movie. It's not, uh, they had, this was the first part yeah. of the movie. So they actually filmed this. All of it's great. And it, and it's long. This has got to be 10 or 11 minutes. It's really satisfying. I, I'm going to ask you in 20 seconds or less, explain why they needed to get Ramsey so badly. They needed the God's eye so that they could find Shaw. That's what the Fats and Furious team needed. It. The government just wanted the God's eye because it's the ultimate tracking tool. Boom. Okay. 12 seconds. That was great. But here's the problem. Shaw shows up, so they found him. So why do they need Ramsey? Like, they weren't, expect- like they weren't right expecting there. that. They were not expecting that. <laughs> what Shaw's there? It's like, why does Dom care about protecting Ramsey so much? How about just kill Shaw, the guy that you were getting Ramsey to go find? He's right next to you. Dom, uh, Dom, doesn't, Dom doesn't kill people. That's one of the things that Parky mentioned when we were watching it. They throw some, Brian throws some guys out of the back of the bus, and all of the cars following move out of the way so that the guy can just sort of roll to a stop. Yeah, and he's like, "Why didn't Why didn't they just run him over?" I don't understand. I'm like, "Because those are the yeah. good guys. We don't we don't kill people." Yeah, there's real honor with those guys. The next scene, m- next rewatchable scene, and I I should mention with when you saw this in the movie theater on the giant screen, the cliff stuff and especially Brian hanging off the bus and all that stuff, just was magnificent on the seventy foot mm-hmm. screen. So is mm-hmm. this scene that I'm about to talk about. I have it written down as the double building jump. Cars don't fly! You have, first of all, it comes out that Ronda Rousey's in this movie. Yes. And at this point, she's in still in her Mike Tyson stage of her career. Yes. Invincible. And it becomes clear when you read about this movie there might be a fight scene with her and Letty. We know this is fictional. I'm still about 80% as excited for this as I was for like, for like Tyson Holyfield. It's like, right. wow, Letty's going to go at it with Rousey. I'd like mm-hmm. say no more. I'm in. So you have, they're in Abu Dhabi. They crash this fancy party. Letty's wearing a cocktail dress. Looks spectacular. It looks like she's headed to the Oscars. And, uh, at the same time, they're trying to figure out how to get this car. An incredible moment where Dom just lifts up the the car that there's only seven <laughs> versions of. You got this, right? Cool. And they cut to Dom a couple times, and he looks like he's taking the worst shit he's ever taken in his entire life. So, uh, he's really he was uh, he was holding that car up for real. He was yeah, for, for real for holding that car up. It seemed like ten minutes. I yeah. I think. When you talk about great action movie faces, it's him and Sly Stallone in the finals for Dom trying to hold something and then Sly Stallone like hanging from a cliff and cliffhanger. Uh, same kind of intensity. But uh, so we have a great fight scene. We have Statham showing up yet again. 
as as they're trying to get God's eye to find Statham. He just keeps showing up to where they were. Yeah. Maybe don't have God's eye. Maybe just he's going to keep showing up to find you. And then everything leads to Dom and Brian getting uh, getting into the car, driving out, and jumping through from one building, one glass building to another, landing. There's no brakes. Now they have to go through the second thing. And then the tail end is is the car spinning out, Brian jumping out. Nobody jumps out of cars better than Brian. Like never, never separated shoulder, <laughs> never a broken wrist. He's just figured out how to land and roll. He's he's like Barry Sanders. And then Dom jumps out and is almost, almost out the window and looks down. And it's fucking harrowing. It's so well shot. I'm going to just going to tell you, this would be my runner up choice for my favorite scene in the movie. Everything about this is immensely satisfying. What would you add? I would add, I'm going to keep coming back to, to my main girl, Letty, the fight that you mentioned with Ronda Rousey. I, I was very much in that same camp with you when I heard she was in there. I'm a big UFC person. So yeah. I heard she was in the movie and I'm like, she's going to fight Letty. They have to, because in, in part six, that was the first time we had like a real Letty fight when she fights Riley, the the yeah. underco- the, the like bad DSS agent. Gina and, Carano. Yeah, Gina Carano, who is an unbelievable fighter in movies. And we they have two separate fights in there. The one in the like subway stationary where she tackles where Letty tackles her down the stairs, which th- I think that's the single best fight we've ever gotten in the franchise. It's either that or the rocket versus Vin Diesel from five. But yep. I, I you knew going in, you're going to watch this fight. So you're just super fucking pumped about it. And it was it was everything you were wanting it to be. They do the great thing where at the very end, when they both fall off the balcony and crash into the piano, it's like a 20-foot drop, and they hit it. And if you watch it, Letty, Michelle Rodriguez, she just makes the best face that it absolutely looks like. If you've ever got your wind knocked out of you, this is the perfect face. She makes it seamlessly. I'm like, oh, my God, this is I, – I just love – Love this so much. This is also my runner-up scene. It's not my favorite scene, but because of that fight and because of the the, the like absurdity of this building-to-building building jump, just at these three giant buildings out of nowhere, I love it. I love it. You know, I just thought of this as you were talking about the scene, and there's been a lot of great fight scenes in action movies over the air. You have two dressed-up, attractive women going at it I don't know if that's happened in another action movie, right? Like they're both dressed. This is like if this happened on the Oscars red carpet, whatever party is going on in Abu Dhabi, um, it's, it's basically like an Oscars red carpet type of party. It's a Mm -hmm. weird wrinkle to throw in, but it really works because, and I couldn't tell, I forgot to look if they're wearing like high heels. I assume not. They're probably the, I don't think they could do a lot of those stunts if they were. I think they, I think in the movie they are. Maybe like they CGI. They CGI the high heels in. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, that's what's so what's so much fun about this is that it never feels like it never feels like this is supposed to be two beautiful women fighting. Like, oh, isn't this what guys like? They're just like fucking fight each other, punch each other in the face as hard as you can, and this is going to be the same as when we had Tony Jaa versus versus Paul Walker. Like, just go at it, and they right. and they just go at it full speed. It's unreal. So this is also the moment when the fast franchise goes to it. There's basically no coming back after this scene Mm -hmm. where there's nothing too absurd for a fast movie. Yeah. Going, jumping from the one glass building to another and then doing it again 
after that, all bets are off. Like at this point, we might as well be outer space. We might as well be in a sub. In Fast Eight, they end up where are they in Antarctica? Yeah, just driving Fighting. driving at ice. Like all bets are off once this scene happens. It definitely is a before and after type moment for the franchise, and I'm fine with it. I think uh, the other thing I love is the look on Dom and Brian's face as they're in the air going from one building to another. Can you imagine <laughs> how terrifying that would be? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good, that's a good point. Each of the best fast and the furious movies, they all, they, they always establish something like the, for me, I'm a traditionalist. The first one is my favorite one. I just, yeah. lo- I just lo- love all of the, all of the parts of it, but part five, which we keep going back to, that's when they perfected the recipe. They're like, Oh, we need this. We need 30% family. We need 60% ridiculous uh, action. We need 10, you know, they, they, they pinned it down. Perfect. Part seven is when they ramp that, that they like got the volume up as high as they could go. That was as ridiculous as they could get without sacrificing any of the emotional heft from yep. movies because part eight it doesn't have that part eight is fun to watch you've got the fucking rock redirecting a submarine missile with his hand just like pushing it somewhere else. like okay we get it but it didn't have the emotional pull that that this one does same with with Hobbs and Shaw you're just like all right you're doing ridiculous things I get it but seven is when they got all of those those little the little lights on the machine to go up as far as they could without compromising any of the other pieces it's it's a wonderful bill. It's just so much fun. And then we have the ending as the last rewatchable scene. Oh God, the ending. The ending is the so ending. So let's is, break it down. Okay, we, go for it. The actual action ending of this movie, I want to get to later. I don't want to cover now. Um and it ends and you think whatever, and Dom comes back to Letty brings Dom back to life, all that stuff. And when you're in the theater watching it, you go, whoa. So they didn't kill Paul Walker at the end of this. So what are they going to do? Cut to the next scene. Everyone's on the beach. I'm not sure I would have had Ramsey there. How'd you feel about Ramsey being there for the final scene? I know they didn't cut to her at the tail end, but she is there in the beginning. Maybe you would have gotten rid of her. You okay with her being there or no? You know, what's funny is I don't even remember her from that scene. I've watched it a hundred times. The two shots that I remember from that scene are when we look out and we see see uh, the family on the beach. And then there's one up, uh, we get like pull in shots of each of the, the characters. And we see it with Dom and with, with Letty and with, and with Ludacris or Tej. And those are the ones that I remember. I, I, you could have told me right now she wasn't in there. And I've been like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But yeah, it's fine. So, and it's like, oh, so this is how it's going to end. They're going to be on, it's just Paul Walker and they're just going to make it seem like he, you know, this is just ends on the beach. Mm-hmm. And then, then it cuts to Vin Diesel and he starts getting that sad Vin Diesel look on his face. Tyrese does the, this is, it's beautiful. And now he's getting emotional. You're like, oh yeah. man, they're going to go for this here. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, then it cuts to Vin and it does the, it's never goodbye. It's never goodbye. And the, and the whisper <laughs> the song kicks in. And, you, <laughs> and it's fucking on. It is fucking on at that point. You have probably, uh, in my uh, years of working with you, I've probably heard you do 200 Vin Diesel impressions. The one you just did right now is far and away your best one so far. I'm proud of you. Um, you, got, you, got that, duh, you got that right. 
I mean, you just get choked up. <laughs> I, th- I thought that this was me imagining this when the song came on. I'm like, oh, oh my no. God. Uh, so now everyone's in the theater and and there's this moment where you're like, oh no. Oh no, I don't yeah. want to cry right now, but I, th- I don't know what's going to happen. Vin goes off. He starts driving and they're like, fuck it. We're coming for you now. They unleashed the Paul. They unleashed the Paul Walker montage on us. I was not ready for it. I'm still not ready for it. Every time they do it, they go back to Fast One. We see Young Vin. We see that, and yeah. then it just goes and it hits all the notes of the series, and then finally ends with the uh, with they're at the they're driving next to each other, and then Paul Walker just kind of goes off toward the water, and the camera goes up, and then it says for Paul, masterful. Honestly, like fucking perfect. I can't believe how well they did this. Yeah, I so I I thought probably same as you. I thought they were going to find a way to like have him sort of sacrifice himself to save the team. Yeah. And going going a different direction with that, it was it was such a smart beautiful choice. There are only a handful of movie scenes that no matter how many times you rewatch them, you have to watch it. That that that, that they don't that they don't lose any of their effect. Like if you, I've, I've probably seen the first, whatever, five minute scene of up 25 times and every single time it gets you every single time. It has not lost any poignancy whatsoever. This particular scene is in that conversation, which is unbelievable. When you think about 20 minutes earlier, they were jumping skyscraper to skyscraper in a, like how, how were you able to do all of these things in this one movie, I don't get it. I don't understand. But this is why they make the movies and, and you and I watch the movies. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking the most the most emotional scenes I've ever seen in a movie. I remember the champ going way back. Ricky mm-hmm. Schroeder, John Voight. And spoiler alert, John Voight's a boxer, but he dies at the end. And Ricky Schroeder's his son. They're super close. And Ricky Schroeder's going, champ, champ, wake up, champ. Yeah. Champ, and that was super emotional. The end of terms of endearment was mm-hmm. really, really when Deborah Winger sang goodbye to her kids. Um, you, you, every three, four, five years, there's a movie like that. Some people would throw Steel Magnolias in there. You going down the line? Never an action movie. Yeah, that's that's what's wild. So all of the movies that you list like that, it's always oh, duh, this makes sense. The end of my girl when Thomas J dies. Right, right, right. And 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 Veda's at the funeral. Like, oh, duh, this makes sense. I understand. Oh, we have to we have to have we have Susan Sarandon just going off the rails sort of with her sadness. I get it. I understand. But to do that with Paul Walker and Vin Diesel right. at the <laughs> at the end at the end of an action movie, it's just a, a an undeniable level of genius. No matter what you think about any of the other movies, I, I understand there are a bunch of people who do not like these movies and they think they're ridiculous and parts of them are absolutely ridiculous, sure. But we cannot pretend like there's not a real emotional heft to that scene. Like they didn't pull it off in an unbelievable way. It just, it doesn't make any sense how good that one scene is. And that song is perfect and really good. Oof. And and became the iconic song of the summer. I left Grantland five weeks after this movie came out. And a couple weeks later, uh, Jim Cunningham, who is a, uh, works with us now at The Ringer and a couple other people, 
made a vi- a video that that was basically my goodbye to Grantland using this song, and it was fucking <laughs> emotional. It made me realize you could put the song with anything, and and it's emotional. But uh, anything. Vin has the monologue at the end. Do you want me to just read it, or do you want me to read it in the Dom voice? I need it in the Dom voice. Okay. I think we all do. All right, here I think we, we go. deserve it. I used to say I lived my life a quarter mile at a time. And I think that's why we were brothers. <laughs> because you did too. <laughs> no matter where you are, whether it's a quarter mile away <laughs> or halfway across the world, <laughs> you'll always be with me. And you'll always be my brother. <laughs> Thank you. That's really fucking good, Bill. Like well, for real. <laughs> The key, the key with Dom is it's when he really says good. brother, he he says brother. He he kind of bails on the last syllable. Yeah, he's a Yolo is be my brother. Uh, <laughs> anyway, phenomenal. Uh, that's my pick, not only for most rewatchable scene of this movie, but I think most rewatchable scene of any fast movie, and one of the most rewatchable action scenes of all time. Um, any other scenes you would throw in for most rewatchable in this movie? Uh, no, those are definitely the 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 four main ones. I can't pick that one as the one that I want to rewatch the most, the most rewatchable, because it just does too much to me. It's too draining. Just so do you go the double me, building, maybe? I'm no, I'm going the drop onto the mountain. Oh, Brian running up the car, okay. Letty saving him. I, what I really like about that one, we didn't talk about it. We've not talked about him enough. I don't feel like is Tyrese in the scene immediately before that when he starts demanding he wants to be like one of the leaders of the crew. I want to be the leader. And then he gets to making his jokes. We, like we, That's the opening of that scene. And then the ending is when Ramsey is sort of reading the entire group to themselves. And he's like, oh, you're probably ex-military or ex-cop. You've got some training. You're the alpha. You're Mrs. Alpha. You're the the like practical joker or whatever. And I love when she gets to to, to Tyrese and she says that to him. And she's like, you're the, the, the clown and the joker. And he's just dead face at her and he goes, wrong. <laughs> Mrs. Alpha. Joker. Wrong. Double Alpha. Man candy. You know what I'm saying? Man, sit your candy ass down. I remember watching that in the scene and just busting out laughing. I think he's responsible for more laughs in the franchise than than anybody else. So if we can add those two, then that's the, the one I'm going to pick. That would be the that's the one scene that I think represents the most of what. Fast and Furious is all at once. Let's uh, take a break and then we'll do what's age the best. Hey, let's take a quick break to talk about feedingamerica.org. I would encourage you to go there. Your impact, just with $1, you could potentially provide at least 10 meals to children and families in need through the Feeding America network of food banks. You can also check to see what food bank is close to your neighborhood or your city. And you can help out that way. You can donate as much as you want. I know times are tight right now, but for um, a lot of people out there who have the means, uh, it's super easy. Just go to feedingamerica.org and you can either give the money just to them and they'll distribute it through all of their uh, food banks. Or you could try to try to find the name of a specific food bank, uh, whether it's one in Boston, Los Angeles, Philly, Chicago, Washington, wherever you live. And you can give money that way. Check it out, Feeding America. Dot org. Please give whatever you can. Stay safe out there. All right, back to the pod. Okay, what's age the best? I'll just tell you what I wrote here. Paul Walker, dot, dot, dot. Fucking love that guy. I just wanted to put him for love what's him. age the best. He's 
He's just Love aged him. really well in this movie because I genuinely miss Paul Walker. Um, another one's aged the best. The Lucas Black return. How'd you feel about that? Little comeback for him. I felt I felt really good about adding him into the into the thing. I I, I want to see all of these characters as much as possible. Um, some of them I do want to see sparingly. Lucas Black is one of those ones where. The, the more he's in the movie, the less effective yeah. he is. So if you just have him pop up, because he has he has the one part in there. He's only in there for two minutes, maybe. But he has the one part where where here comes a little bow wow, and he's like, hey, this guy wants to talk to you, whatever. And, oh, it, the, Lucas Black thinks it's about a race, and he's like, oh, not not right now. Because he, he says he knows Han. And then he turns and he gives a look, just one little look. It's two seconds long, and you're like, boom, you did it. All right, mm. get out the way. You did what I need you to do. Let's keep it moving. Good to see him and Dom in a scene together. The uh, mm-hmm. what's age the best? The facial recognition technology they had back then, which was really primitive. They it still still holds up. I think you know they would have uh, would have probably been a lot easier to do this in 2020. But nice job with that. Kurt Russell as Mister Nobody, great. great, really delivers. We could. There's some good casting. There's a casting what if for this that I I think. I want to have paramedics in your house because I think you might pass out. <laughs> so call the okay. EMT and just make sure they're outside your house just in case anything happens. But I thought Kurt Russell did a good right. job. Um, I just want to mention Ramsey gets swapped from a car to car, not once, but twice in this movie. Two different mm-hmm. times there's a car swap with some some hot computer nerd. It's, I don't know how they pulled that off. We also have two head-to-head collisions in this movie with, yes. with Vin and, uh, and Statham where they just both emerge unscathed. It's fine. They're good. It's just, it's I'm going to hop out of my car. <laughs> hey, another head on collision. I'm good. No visit to the chiropractor or anything like this. Um, okay. So. Well, th- they do crack their necks. They go like, yeah, crack, crack, crack. And they're, they're fine. Totally they're fine. good. So we've talked about, uh, see you again by Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth. I tried to do, I was going to do a championship belt of the I'm sad somebody just died songs dating through my life. Cause the initial one was the way we were by Barbara Streisand. If that came on, okay. you would just be like, Oh man, see, we're, I'm about to see the death montage in the Oscars. I'm about to see somebody died. Something bad just happened. And then you go through and, Wind beneath by Wind beneath my wings by Bette Midler, Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton had a nice run, Candle in the Wind by Elton oh. John, I'll Be Missing You by Puff Daddy, yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley, and then Sarah McLaughlin for a while with I Will Remember You like for a while we're yeah, talking like a, a decade long you know, LeBron in the finals kind of run for that. And then see you again, came in and just knocked all these songs out and has had the championship belt ever since. Is there any other song that jumps to your head as a defining song in this weird category? The, the, the two that you mentioned that were, came to my head immediately, Sarah McLaughlin and then the, the tears in heaven, because that one is about the, an actual, like his a, son, a, yeah. the death of his son. Yeah. Yes. For like, that's, that's wild. I will add one, uh, one in here by Master P, the Missing My Homies one, oh. which is an unbelievable. It's really good. It's like it's very it's surprisingly touchy. When I was in touching, when I had just graduated college, the year that I left, a friend of mine 
uh, got in a car crash and passed oh. away. And and I will always remember going back to the the school. He was in the, the this fraternity I was in called Omega Delta Phi. It was like a Hispanic fraternity. And uh, I went back to the to like the house where we all hung out. And for some reason, this uh, one guy he just kept playing that song on repeat. Like I mean, I know the reason why he was sad about it. It was, all, it was called "I Miss My Homies," but he was just in his room playing it as loud as possible. And I just kept hearing it like restarting over and over again. And it's like a kind of a hokey addition to add, but it, it that's that's another one that I that I thought of for sure. With the with the Charlie Puth one. Charlie Puth, Wiz Khalifa. I'm trying to picture: is there, is there a scene you can add it to in in, in a movie, and it can make you still you still don't feel bad for the person? You know what I'm saying? Like I think this is one of those songs where you could put it in any movie, and it doesn't matter who we're seeing on screen. Like if they're leaving in that scene, we're gonna feel bad for it. You're a big Shawshank guy. Like imagine. You know the scene when they load Boggs up into the car after he's been like crippled. If 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 they play Wiz Khalifa Charlie Puth right there, I think you. I think all of a sudden you feel bad for Boggs that he's like, oh man, this is a tough goodbye. Yeah, you're right. It's just, it's it's well. That, I, I think Hallelujah is like that too, but with the Jeff Buckley version. If that comes on, you're just gonna you're gonna feel. You just you're just gonna go through an emotional vortex immediately. You're right. Yeah, Even yeah. Boggs and Shawshank. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, any other what's age the best for you before we move on? No, I think my my pick here has to be Paul Walker. It just Yeah, me too. It's it's so great w- watching him. It's so that final shot of him just looking out the car, smiling and peaceful and 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 bright like there's a brightness in his eyes that you just like you you immediately get taken back to like all of the times that you've uh, all of the hours you've spent in movies with this guy with like s- stuff that's just good and fun to watch as separate of the Fast and the Furious movies. But like, remember this the scene in Varsity Blues when he comes walking out on the patio and they yeah. shoot up up at him like he's Superman. Like for a lot of us, that was the like introduction of Paul Walker into our lives. It's such a great opening. But she's all that the skulls joyride like. I can I can picture him into the blue when you just have him on a beach like that's a good movie. I I miss him. I miss him seeing him in this. Yeah, it's interesting. He pulled off the handsome blonde guy who wasn't a dick because usually the handsome blonde guy is a dick in the movies. You become Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, what's age the worst? Don't I'm gonna, say I'm gonna, anything. Leave it blank. Listen, nah, unfortunately, I have seven things. Oh, oh my god! All right, I'm seven times mad already. But go for it. I'll go. I'll go sh- uh, smaller ones, and then go to the big one. Letty's amnesia plot. Like, how long do you have amnesia? Doesn't that go away after like a month? I, I, how long did we have to milk the amnesia thing? She had that for like two years, but she just doesn't remember anything. Nothing comes back. She was in a car crash that almost killed her. Like, cut her some slack. Okay, she's gonna take take your time. Take your time, Letty. It's a, it take all the like time a long you need. Time. The Rock's daughter in the movie. Not not sure why she's in the movie. I don't know whether they're trying to humanize The Rock. I'm not sure if that was his daughter. Um, just very strange. They they tried to make they, they add like a family story to The Rock. Not sure if I needed background with his family, and then they kept extending that to the future things. <laughs> I love that Do- that Dominic has no idea he has a kid. He's like what. You can, what are you th- like he's never the rock has never mentioned him in any of this. I'm gonna mangle his name as you know. I have pronunciation dyslexia. Demon Hinsu, is that how you say it? Mose Jakandi. 
the guy who plays Moshe Chikandi, Oscar oh, winner yeah. Demon Hensu. I think that's yeah, how you yeah. say it. He's great. I'm just going to read what it says in Wikipedia for his character, for Moshe okay. Chikande. A Nigerian-born mercenary and terrorist who leads a private military company that allies with Shaw and uses the God's eye to track its creator and use her to track down his enemies. Not enough backstory with this guy. He's just kind of <laughs> thrown in. He's, it's like, hey, this here's our bad guy, but uh, we don't know anything about him. There's no scene where we're, where, you know, he's mean to somebody or he lays out his plan or I just like, wow, that guy's, well, I'm yeah. scared of this guy. He's just kind of there. And I don't really understand. I feel like they cut out a key scene with him that would have helped. So he, he's a really, really good actor. Um, yeah, I, I, I love this guy a lot. He's in a, I think the very first time I saw him was in this movie called in America. Or, um, did you ever see that movie? It's really, really good. Uh, he plays like this painter. in America, in America. Yeah, it's great. It's set in New York, follows his Irish family, I believe. Uh, it's really good, but he, he pops up in that. I wonder if when they pitched him on this movie, if they're like, Hey, you're going to be the bad guy in the furious and the new fast and the furious movie. And you, they, they read him what you just read. And he's like, hell yeah. And then he yeah, gets man. there and, and then he's like, realizes he's the second bad guy and you're going to get 10 minutes of, of screen time and just sort of, you just have to die now. And that's it. Yeah. Not enough Moj Jakande. I think they probably told him like, Hey man, you know, Paul died and we had to rewrite a lot of the movies. So we had to lose some Moj Jakande stuff. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that, but it's just, it, out of all the villains we've had in all these movies, probably the least successful execution. Um, I don't love the ending, the action ending of this movie in LA. I don't dislike it. I'll watch it. I just think, especially if you're comparing it to like the, uh, the bank heist at the end of fast five, or even like the airport runway in fast six, mm-hmm. it's dark. It's hard to see what's going on. There's, there's helicopters and drones and the rock just randomly shows up and we have diesel and Statham in a parking garage. He could just kill him. Decides not to let's have a street fight instead. And then everything cresting with Dom deciding he's going to take down the helicopter by driving up a ramp going (laughs) 75 feet in the air, clipping the helicopter and then crashing to wherever. And then somehow surviving that. I don't, I, I think if you're talking endings, this is probably my least favorite of the first seven of action endings. Where do you stand on it? Uh, okay. So I have a theory about this because I've, I, I'm right there with you as far as like, this isn't super memorable. We have a couple, a couple good lines. It's kind of fun. The rock with the giant gun is great. But in all of the other movies that you mentioned, the bank vault dragging the the giant airplane, the like final race with Brian and Dom at the end of the first one. Those were the actual endings of the movie. I don't think that the, the, the big action scene here wasn't the ending of the movie. I don't think that was the, the point of that scene. I think it's to set up. We just need to get to the, the, the goodbye scene at the beach. I think that's the real actual ending, which is why this movie feels so much different when you walk out of the, the theater because they, yeah. weren't, they weren't building toward this like gigantic thing. They had already done that. They'd, they'd already given you the mountain scene and the skyscraper scene. You got what you needed. Now we just need to fill some space here and plug up some pieces. I have some concerns and questions about where the police, fire department, and everybody else were as this <laughs> unfolded. And, you know, they're, they're taking down a 12-story tower. And, uh, and then parking garages are blowing up. Things are blowing up everywhere. There's just no police. 
There's no Not anybody. Open. Nobody's like, hey, we have some action downtown. Can somebody get down there? Very strange. Uh, another what's age the worst? Just bear with me. These. <laughs> The surprise the first time you see the ending that we had in the theater has aged the worst just because you're never going to top the first time. They're like, how are they going to land this plane with Paul Walker? And then it happens. I think mm-hmm. it's been forgotten like how how hard that was because now we're used to it and it's an iconic scene. But I think it's been forgotten how hard that was and how badly that could have gone in the wrong hands. Uh, my not My nominee for the winner of what's aged the worst is the entire Deckard Shaw plot and how it ties into the next couple movies. Because at the start of this movie, he murders at least 20 policemen. Like at least at to least. go to go see his brother. There's 20 bodies strewn everywhere. 20 innocent people that he's just taken out. He murders Han. I loved Han. I, mm-hmm. I'm still upset that they killed off Han. I feel like he should have been an OG along the lines of Tyrese and Ludacris. Like, just keep on and keep Gal Gadot too. I would have kept, I would have kept everybody. Um, he almost kills the rock and Elena. They should have died. They fell six stories. And then he blew up Brian's house and could have blown up his wife and his small child. And then within a movie, we're fine with all of this. Yeah. It's never, it's, it, it's kind of the elephant in the room. With all of the subsequent movies to Fast 7 in this series. Don't you agree? I, w- I wonder if there was ever like a, a time where they're, they're just sort of hanging out and Dom is like, hey, do you remember when you tried to kill my sister and her husband and their child? That was pretty crazy, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> they're just drinking Coronas at, at, a, at, a, at a barbecue. Well, that basically is the, the end of Fast 8, right? They're yeah, on that's the, exactly they're what on it that, is. They're on that uh, little balcony thing and they're kind of sizing each other up and like, hey, we good? <laughs> when you try to blow up my brother-in-law and my sister we're yeah we're good we are absolutely not good i can't believe so every once in a while i will go through and just rewatch all of the movies in their entirety and yeah. the, the last time i did it was at the end of of 2019 and i'm just um, watching them and then you they had the the trailer come out for the new one and you saw that han was back and you're like this is this is crazy they've they have at this point Killed off Han, like they killed off Han in Tokyo Drift, and then they brought him back later on just to kill him off again. And yeah. then they're gonna break. Like I, I've, if they make twenty of these movies, he's gonna fucking end up dying like five times. And right. it's just weird that that's the like pocket he fell into. Well, if you're thinking spinoff movies, before they did Hobbs and Shaw, I would have gone with uh, what was Gal Gadot's character's name. I can't oh, remember. I'm blanking. I just call her Gal Gadot, yeah. Yeah, Gal Gadot. I would have had her and Han in Europe and just done like a little low-budget scene with those two as the stars. Would have been a better move for her than doing seven Wonder Womans. Um, we we, we should have we at least gotten one of those like mini movies that they slid in there. Like there's a 20-minute oh, yeah. mini movie with Dom. It's like him and Letty and we get to see like there's a transition between. We should have at least gotten one of those. Han is just such a fun creation. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, tough, the, the, the big Asian icons of the 2010s, he's up there. And then, um, the guy in the walking dead, Steve Yoon, mm-hmm. who they also killed off. It's yeah. like, how about, how about not killing off these guys? Anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. Are the paramedics outside your house yet? Uh, they, they're at the door waiting. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I'm nervous. Casting what if. We're doing casting what ifs. This is, I think, my favorite casting what if ever. Do you know who turned down Mr. Nobody before Kurt Russell took it? I can't even imagine. Your favorite actor. Are you, wait, say the name because I need for you to say the name because I don't believe you right now. Denzel Washington. They Get went the to fuck him and turned here. it down. Get yeah. out of here. There's they turned no way. It he turned it down. Why did he turn it down? I don't believe this. Where did you it, read this? Oh, it's 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 on the internet. <laughs> okay. It's it's on the internet. Um he turned it down. They even promised him that they would blow out the part for Fast 8 that it was a smaller part in Fast 7 and then in Fast 8 it would become a bigger part. And uh Denzel said no. That's wild. Why do you think he said no? Did he want to be in the action part of it? Did he? Well, think about it. He's in that stage, like he's about to do fences. He's he's thinking, you know, he's in Oscar mode at that point, right? He's thinking, yeah. okay. He's thinking, I, I'm not doing an action movie. I'm good with that. And if I'm going to do an action movie, I'm doing the Equalizer too, and I'm just going to be the star of the action movie. I'm not. I don't need to do, you know, this version of it. Um, so yeah, he turned it down. Two other names that I didn't really fully understand. Taylor Lautner and Halle Berry were also considered for Mr. Nobody. Taylor Lautner is a weird one. I don't know. I know he was had some momentum at that point, but I feel like Mr. Nobody had to be older. Yeah, so. he definitely had to be had to be older. Taylor Lautner does have like a like this weird old guy face about him. Yeah, and I guess. Maybe you put a, a couple of them little gray streaks on the side of his hair. And pull it off. Kurt Kurt Russell was a great, a great pick because Kurt Russell is a nice little throwback to like those late eighties, early nineties action movies. He just is comfortable in that space. Yep. You go, oh, okay, cool. I get it. You're like a charming, smart, good actor. Here's here's twenty five lines. And make the most of them. So they're they're they. I don't know if this is true on the internet, but there's a theory that he's tapping into his Tequila Sunrise character. <laughs> and that it's the tequila sunrise guy from 1988 now is Mr. Yeah. Nobody. And he's basically paying homage to that guy. Who knows? So apparently Jason Statham was originally offered the lead antagonist role of Owen Shaw in fast six. Couldn't do it because he was making movies called Parker and wildcard that I don't even remember those movies. Um, then they figured out how to work him into fast seven and beyond. But did you know that he was supposed to be the fast six guy? I had no idea. He's yeah. perfect. He's he's better as the big brother, though. Yeah, I agree. Worked worked out. That's all I have for casting what ifs. Next award is the best that guy, aka the Joey Pants Award. So I guess we could go with Tony Ja, or you could go with the guy from the raid. You pick. I'm going with Tony Ja. Okay, that's it. I I I was really excited to see him pop up in there, and I'm like, I, I mentioned we were at the movies with Laramie, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's Tony Ja. Look, 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 look. She's like, I don't know who that is or why you're so excited, but can you please be quiet? Because you're making too much noise right now. I mean, he's definitely, he definitely qualifies for this because I screwed it up early in the movie and thought he was in the raid when he wasn't. So, uh, so he's, that's <laughs> a good example of why he wins the Joey Pants Award. The Vincent Hanna They Knew Award for Best Overacting. The Rock really dials it up, as we mentioned earlier a couple times, but it, especially in this scene when he greets Statham. 
You sure as hell ain't the IT guy, so you better start talking before I break that finger six different ways and stick it right where the sun doesn't shine. He's just, <laughs> he's just rattling off. It's like he's he, he's almost in professional wrestling mode. It's not not a great performance by The Rock. I think he had probably too many things going on. The Dion Waiters Award for Best Heat Check. So our nominees here, Tony Ja again. Rousey, who's only in one scene, Ronda Rousey, or uh, the guy from The Raid. I I thought about putting Tyrese in there because he's really not in this that much, but he has huge stats. But yeah. I, I feel like he's he's too too pivotal he, to the franchise. He, yeah, he can't he's be just, eligible. He's on the starting lineup. He, he, he can't be this yeah. one. So who would you go with here? Uh, I got to go Rousey. She really went for it. She's not that great of an actor. Uh, she has like one line, two lines in there, and they're, they're, neither one of them are good. Thank God you showed up. These parties bore me to death. But when I watched it, I saw the fight. I'm like, all right, this was great. And then the, this was around the same time where there started to be rumors that she, they were going to redo Roadhouse with her. Yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm in. Well, after this, I'm in. FYI, I'm still in. Yeah. Five years later. <laughs> give, give, yeah. it, give, give it I'm, to I'm, us. I never dropped out. I'm still in on Ronda Rousey and Roadhouse. <laughs> Next category is the recasting couch. So obviously now that we have this Denzel information, it's hard to see anything else other than that's that all due respect to Kurt Russell. I love this. I loved him in this movie. He's great. But Denzel in this movie, there's a whole extra level of weight, fascination, him doing scenes with Vin Diesel. Uh, I, I, I can't wrap my head around it and I don't know what he would have brought to the table other than a lot of things. I think it's just one of the all time wins. I'm really upset and disappointed that he didn't do it. It would have been so funny to see Denzel, possibly the greatest actor of our generation dropped into a scene where like he's standing next to the rock and the rock's like, daddy's got to go to work. And you've got, (laughs) and you've got, and you've got Denzel Washington in the very next scene doing Denzel. Like uh, that would, I I would like to see it. I put Denzel in every movie. Denzel's going from working with the rock and fast seven to Viola Davis and fences. (laughs) Maybe he couldn't wrap his brain around it. I wish he had done it. It's a great, it's a great movie. What if? And I can't believe I didn't know about it until this week. Half-assed internet research, second most pirated movie ever. Almost forty-five million streams in 2015. This was before they were able to really crack down on the pirating. Three hundred and forty cars were used in the film. Two hundred thirty were destroyed. Brian's conversation. Oh, I mentioned the uh, when Brian and Dom are talking. That's a deleted scene from Fast Five. And then the song at the end, which was dedicated to Paul Walker, See You Again, received 1 billion views on YouTube in 2015. In July 2017, became the most viewed video on YouTube ever. Really? Yeah. Wait, you, so this, you said this was the second most pirated movie. What's, do you know what the first was? I don't. It's probably, it's probably Tokyo Drift. That's my, <laughs> yeah, That's maybe. my guess. <laughs> Um, the parking garage fight scene between Diesel and Statham, they put in a couple Easter eggs referencing the Transporter movies, which I missed. There's yeah. the actual BMW from Transporter in 2002 and the Audi, I'm sorry, the Audi from uh, Transporter 2 in 2005. So the car that they get into when they do the double building jump is a th- is really 
there really is only seven cars or seven models of it made. $3.4 million. It's called the Lycan Hypersport. And when they actually did real stunt shit with it, they used fake versions of it because it was too (laughs) expensive. I would assume so, yeah. So apparently Gal Gadot is, oh, her character's name is Giselle. Yeah. She has scenes in this movie where Giselle takes Leia to the hospital after um, the flashback scenes where she's actually taking Letty to the hospital and Letty's trying to get her memory back mm-hmm. and the scenes were cut. Yeah. So that's why she's building this movie. So that's all we got. All right. Speaking of Letty, Apex Mountain. I'm going Michelle Rodriguez, Apex Mountain here. She's never looked better. She has a really great fight scene with Rousey. She's just throwing a hundred miles an hour this whole movie. She brings Dom back to life at the end. I I think this is my favorite Letty movie of all the Letty movies. She punches the dude in the face at Race Wars. She's yeah. she it's the right amount of her. It's not too much. And every time she's in a scene, she's bringing heat. You agree or disagree? I absolutely agree. This is my favorite movie to watch if I want to get all of the best parts of of Letty, uh, a really uh, a really fun thing about her when you're watching this movie, especially, is is every scene she's in, she just makes it a little bit better than if she wasn't in there. Uh, yeah, she 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 knows exactly how to play off of off of each person. She knows how to make Brian seem a little bit tougher, and she knows how to make Dom seem a little bit more vulnerable. She knows how to like make Tej seem cooler. Like she could just do whatever you need her to do. You drop her in. She's, she's great. She's unbelievable in this, in this movie. I, I love Michelle Rodriguez. I'm, I'm very she, on the record about that. Yeah. She, I think she's the best actor of all the actors in this franchise. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, look, she's had a great career and I'm sure she's made plenty of money and she's in one of the great movie franchises of the past 40 years. I wish she had made one film in the last like 10 to 12 years, you know, like a dramatic film where that kind of pushed her like, like, like what's her Oscar, her Oscar resume movie. I feel like she could have done it. I think there's some part out there that she could have played. I think she was a good enough actress. I, I, uh, I know it's weird to talk about somebody in the fast franchise like that, but I do feel like there's some missing part that she never got that she should have had. She she has an Oscar in her. You could tell, especially if you had any doubts about it at all, you could tell in Widows, which is also oh, yeah. kind of an action movie, but she gets to play it very, very straight. And she's wonderful. She has a very the very touching scene when she like has the 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 breakdown. Yeah. Um, and, and just like, yeah, she she could do it. I, I would assume that the reason she hasn't gotten it would not be because she didn't want to do it. Right. You know, I, I think this is bigger forces. At play, there was a, that that script never came across her her table, but she could one hundred percent do it. Agree, Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth. I'm going to say yes for both. I'm going to say yes for Abu Dhabi. I think this is Apex Mountain for Abu Dhabi. <laughs> okay, okay. It's a, it's a movie location for one of the nine highest grossing movies of all time. I think big win for everyone in Abu Dhabi. And then uh, this is my favorite. You're going to love this. I think this is the apex mountain for action movies with bald stars. Okay. We have Vin Diesel, Mm -hmm. Statham, Mm -hmm. The Rock, Tyrese, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Demon Hansu all in one movie. Plus 
uh, I would say you're the premier action movie writer in the world. You're bald too. Everyone wins. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bald tsunami of action baldness <laughs> all the way around. Great job by everybody. That's an unbelievable starting five right there. Those five guys. Oh my guys. God. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. Think, yeah. You can't beat that. I mean, get Michael Jordan and Xavier McDaniel. Sneak them in there too. They could have <laughs> just gone for the whole thing there. Um, okay. Time to pick a couple nits. Oh, God. I mentioned Elena's 15-month pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Can we just talk this out for like 90 seconds? Please do, because I don't even, I, I wasn't paying any attention to it, but go for it. So fast five, she ends up with Dom. Mm-hmm. Fast six, Letty comes back. Um, At that point, have we seen Paul Walker's, I'm sorry, Brian's uh, baby yet? Is Brian's baby born yet in Fast Six? I can't remember. I haven't seen Fast Six in a little while. Uh, yeah. Okay, so he has the kid. Then we see the kid on the way to preschool at the beginning of Fast Seven. Seems like it's at least a year since we saw. You figure at least a year has passed between Fast Six and Fast Seven. Is that fair? Say Wrong. 12 months? I, I always have a hard time doing the like time aspect of this. I had no idea until like two years ago that breaking bad happened within a, like a one year stretch. I thought, right, was, right. I thought it was like eight years. I don't know. So I'm gonna let you have it. You can, you can go for it here. Okay. So we'll say a year and then we see Elaine at the beginning. She's in, looks great. Definitely not pregnant. And then in fast eight, which now is happening a few months after fast seven, all of a sudden she's got a little Dom baby. And uh, the math just does not add up. Now, granted, this is the same franchise that has cars <laughs> being dropped from planes and cars going through buildings in Abu Dhabi. So, you know, I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but I just wanted to present the possibility that Dom might have had a one-nighter with Elena at some point. I think, okay. During I the think, Fast 7, Fast 8 range. I think there's no way that Dom sleeps with Elena again after Letty comes back. What I, what, okay. what I, my theory here is Dominic Toretto, superhuman, is, is of, of, of such unbelievable DNA that his seed <laughs> takes longer <laughs> to like formulate than a normal man. This is like how elephants are pregnant for longer than yeah. humans. Okay. I, I think it's the same thing with... With Dom, there's no way you could grow a tiny Toretto in only nine months. You need minimum 24 months. Okay, so it's a 20, 24 to 27 month pregnancy because Dom's seed is just a different kind of seed. Yeah, I'm, that... I'm willing to accept that explanation. <laughs> okay, good. So another nitpick, the head on the first head-on car crash with Dom and Shaw. The funeral happens, Shaw shows up, Dom chases him out. They have a whole thing. They end up in some place. They have the head-on. And then all of a sudden- all these cops come from the ceiling and Mr. Nobody's there. And how did all those people know they were going to end up in that exact spot? I've never been able to figure that one out. If the, if the head of your organization is a guy named Mr. Nobody, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. Like, you okay. know, all things. All right. There you go. Best quote. I think we already did it, but I did want to mention the rock saying, which is why when I get out, I'm going to put a hurt on him so bad. He's going to wish his mama had kept her legs closed. <laughs> the Rock definitely wrote that in his trailer and, and went to James Wan and was like, hey, man, thought of this one-liner for Hobbs. What do you think? They were like, cool, Rock, do your thing. <laughs> Could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix show? The answer is always no. Um, don't 
I, I'm not even sure how I feel about Hobbs and Shaw. I don't really want to mess with the franchise. Probably unanswerable questions is the next category. Here's the first one. Is Race Wars a real thing? And if it is, why isn't it on ESPN2? And why why can't it replace the sports void we have right now? Everyone's in cars. We're not interacting. Can we just have Race Wars now? We're all in quarantine here. I, I, I agree with you there. And this is also one of my unanswerable questions that I had written down as well, because when Dom and Letty are driving out to it and he's trying to get her to to remember things, trying to jog her memory here. And she's like, oh, we used to come here? And then he says to her, oh, we invented this. Like, we created this thing. And then you get there, and it's very clearly like a corporate-sponsored event at this point. You've got all kind of like a, brands set up, celebrations and, and, and whatnot. I need to know if if Dom and Letty, are, do they get a piece of this money? Is this like when you run a music festival and you get some of it off of there? Is this where they're getting their money from? That that's a question in my head because that should I know Dominic Trotto doesn't care about money, but he should be getting his money off of that. So should Letty. Or is Dom full of shit? He's like, Yeah, we created this, but he really we really did it. He was just <laughs> he happened to be at the first one. He he knew that she wasn't gonna remember anyway. He's just making shit up now. It's like if my wife had amnesia and and then I'm doing a podcast, she's like, What are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing a podcast. I created it. <laughs> like, how does she know any different? She has, she had amnesia. She's just going to believe whatever I come <laughs> okay. up with. <laughs> okay. Uh, next one. This has always bothered me as this franchise went along. How does, how does Dom know so many super connected, powerful people? Like, so Brian's house blows up. And then the next scene we see there in the DR, they're at this security filled compound with Mm -hmm. Dom's friend, Brian and uh, his wife and the kid. And Dom is talking to the friend. It's like, thanks for, thanks for hooking them up or whatever. How does somebody like Dom who just lives in downtown LA and was just racing cars and fixing them. The first time we meet him in the franchise, all of a sudden his network expands. So he has, you know, billionaire friends in the Dominican Republic. How do you think that happened? Because he's such a charming guy. And by this point, we know he has spent several years in South America. He's, okay. he's you know, he's making those those connections. You get Dominic Toretto in a room with somebody, that means you you have Dominic Toretto in a room with someone he, who, who thinks they're his best friend. That's just what he does. Everybody loves him. So anyone who meets Dom, they're just ready to do, he's like the godfather. He's just doing favors for Dom from that point on. Yeah, because who who has a bad word to say about Dominic Toretto? Not one single Great person. Point. From the first time we met him in in the Fast and the Furious, and he's just a protector of all things. That's the 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 like reputation he has. And from there going forward, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. He he, he that's just who he is. All right, fair. Next question is: How does everyone on Dom's team get so good at karate fighting? Like what, what changed from fast one to fast seven? Is it like when they were, um, maybe after they got back to the States after fast six, they all had money. Dom is just like, Hey, I was thinking we should all just get much better at fighting and brings in, you know, (laughs) some specialist and just teaches them what changed from fast one to fast seven, where everybody's just the highest level fighter. I think that's exactly what it was. By the time we got to seven, Probably between somewhere like four and five, he said, hey, guys, guess what? This seems like it's going to keep happening. So let's train. 
And then now they're just spending their time training because they no longer have to spend their time plotting on how to steal DVD players from 18 wheelers. So they've got a bunch of downtime. They probably just hire in somebody to come on in. Okay. This last one, my answer to this is no. Okay. I just want to start there. Okay. My answer is no. All right. But I have to throw it out. We have the technology now where... Nope. I already know what you're going to say. But oh, please continue. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but go ahead. Does Brian ever come back to the franchise? Mm-mm. You can't do it. You can't do it. There's no way. There's no good way to do that. At At best, you can have like what they did in part eight with a picture of them. Something like that. Maybe a flashback to a scene that we have already seen, but we, we can't have any new material. I don't want to hear... This is like, I don't want to hear a new Pimp C verse. It doesn't make any sense. I just want to listen to the old albums. Uh, I just want to listen to Riding Dirty. And let me get it that way. There's no way to do this correctly. So there's a story that comes out. They're making Fast 11. They figured out how to have Paul Walker in the movie. And his family is going to get $20 million from it. If his family is like, we're cool with it, then I'm fine. I'll fall in, I'll fall in line behind the Walker family. Absolutely. If they make that, if they make that decision, go for it. My answer is no, but if the Walker family really pushed it and we had the technology, I I would at least welcome it with an open heart. I, I would be there opening night. No question about it. <laughs> okay. I do think we're heading toward a world now where from a technology standpoint, where that's kind of stuff will be possible. I hope not, but. What are you going to do? I mean, we're, we're talking about like, like they could redo a Godfather sequel and just use everybody's faces from Godfather one and two and make it right after, you know, Fredo died. Like, I, I don't know what's coming with movies, but I do know that they're very close to having all that technology. It's a little freaky. Okay. Last category. Who won the movie? I say Paul Walker. It's gotta be, it's gotta be Paul Walker. It's just rewatching it now, these years later, five years later, he's the one you're most excited to get to spend some time with for yeah. obvious reasons. But still, there it's that's the that's the feeling that's there. Do you did you ever see uh, Terminator Salvation with Christian Bale? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember when they had Arnold walk out in that one scene, and you're like, oh fuck, Arnold's back? Yeah, it didn't it didn't look terrible. It didn't look great, but didn't look terrible. I just want to throw that out there. They never figured out with the Terminator remake why Arnold was an aging robot. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, robots don't age. They're just robots. They're well, the I, same age for eternity. Why yeah, are you now old? I think it's like he was covered in the human skin and muscle. So Sure. Okay. Sure. I think that was one of the reasons nobody went. Um, last question before we go. Where does this rank? Give us your fast rankings right now. For uh, but not for best movie, for like most it, rewatchable. Where does Fast Seven rank in the top three? In in my heart, Furious Seven, because I just watched it, is number two. It ju- it it just edged out Fast Five. Number one is always going to be number one, but because I just rewatched it, I've, I've got I have to put it in in second place right now. Where do you I have? have it? I have five first. I have one second. And then the third one is either four or seven. I'd probably put seven. Oh, seven is way better than four. Absolutely. I just like four because it lays the DNA for all the movies that come 
next yeah. in a really smart way. The franchise is dead at that point. You know, action movie franchise, you have one, you have two. Two's never going to be as good as one unless it's John Wick. And then three is kind of like holding on to the fumes of one and two. Mm-hmm. Usually it doesn't go well. I don't think it went that great in this case. And just the fact that they were able to revive the franchise, I thought was really smart and laid out all the seeds. I think seven is, I, I texted you a couple of days ago and I was like, man, what a satisfying movie. <laughs> so I'd probably I, say seven, three A and four, three B. I gotta, I gotta say when I got that text, you and I, we have, we've done a ton of podcasts together at this point and we've had some rough patches. There was the time where you, I think this was when we did Fast and the Furious and you were making fun of Dominic Toretto. Vin Diesel saying it wasn't a good actor, which I disagree with wholeheartedly. There was that. (laughs) There was a time you invited me on to talk about Reggie Miller and then you just talked shit about him for 35 minutes straight. No, it was three minutes and then I circled it back. You were just scared. It felt like 35 minutes. I was really mad at that (laughs) point. When I got that text, the subtext to it was, you said, oh, this movie's really satisfying. And what I read was this movie's really satisfying for how bad this movie. I was one hundred percent expecting to come in here today. Oh and, no! And, and here you just talk down. I'm I'm really excited. I'm very proud that you did not. No, that was a one hundred percent genuine. Good. God, I love this movie. I'm glad it's in my rewatchable life. Okay, good, good, good. And I'm sure we'll be rewatching it a million times more. The question is: Is will this be Fast's last appearance? On the rewatchables, because now we have done five. We did the first one and we did this one. Is four worthy of a rewatchables? My answer is obviously yes. So I, I think the next time, next time we do one of these, but we have other stuff in the works. You will be popping back on. We have a lot of spare time right now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that that we have. We have Bill, to figure out have. how to, uh, as soon as Concepcion has the technology, which we got him one of our setups, we have to figure out if it's possible for us to do a three-person one on Zoom, which I think... The, the technology of being in remote locations once you get past two people is a little dicey for us. But I think there is a way for us to be able to do it on Zoom. So stay tuned for that. If they could figure out how to put Paul Walker in this movie five years ago, we can figure out how to get three guys on a podcast. <laughs> That's how I feel. Uh, Shea Serrano, a pleasure as always. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay, thanks to State Farm and thanks to Shay. We'll be back on the rewatchables later in the week. We're going to be doing Enemy of the State, the Tony Scott classic from the late 90s. Uh, I think 1998. We're going to hopefully do this, me, Chris Ryan, and Sean Fennessy on Zoom. We'll see if that works out, but we will see you then on the rewatchables. Uh, stay safe out there.